Welcome to Curiosant Radio Underground, the weekly Star Wars podcast presented by ScienceFictionary.com. Emperor Palpatine forced us underground not because we were spreading rebel propaganda, but because we were bringing down the quality of the Imperial Radio Network. Joining us on the show today are Robbie Gore. Say hi to the people at home, Robbie. Hello, everybody. And ScienceFictionary.com editor-in-chief Andrew Gore. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Daniel, for that introduction. Today is July 26th, and this is the fourth episode of our shiny new podcast. We are glad that you found your way to our own little corner of the podcast world, and I'd like to tell you a little more about us. We started this podcast out of our love for Star Wars and to give us an excuse to sit around and talk about it every week. You should know we aren't a news outlet, and what you find here will simply be our opinion, thoughts, and speculation. Also, this is a Star Wars podcast, and you won't hear our political opinions discussed here. We hope to build a community around our shared love of Star Wars, not around the divisiveness that has crept into every aspect of our lives these days. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's jump right into this week's episode. Uh, We've got a lot of news, uh, no big news, no Star Wars uh, movie news really this week to speak of, other than um, it looks like something we discussed last week, uh, I believe, did we discuss the return of Snap Wexley last week or two weeks ago? Well, it'd been two weeks ago because we took last week off. Well, last episode or two episodes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, it looks like uh, Greg Grunberg's uh, character, Snap Wexley, from The Force Awakens will be returning in episode nine. And uh, that looks like uh, the extent of the movie news. Any thoughts on that character returning? Or, you know, does, does that mean some of the other Black Squadron members that were missing from The Last Jedi may be back as well? Uh Possibly. I think what it really boils down to is that he's one of J.J. Abrams' favorites. He's like in every J.J. Abrams film. That's true. So Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty much a given that he was coming back. But really, that's the only news. Um, we'll go ahead and jump right in. You know, there was a lot of stuff came out of San Diego Comic-Con, and I, I don't think anything bigger Star Wars related than the announcement that The Clone Wars is coming back for a final season. Did y'all both yes. have a chance? Y'all both had a chance to watch the trailer. I know you did, Daniel. Robbie, did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, I actually just watched it. Awesome. You know, I know, I don't know if either one of y'all, I know, Daniel, I know you watched a few episodes. Robbie, did you ever really watch any of that show? No, I never really got into it, uh, but watching the trailer, it, I definitely feel like I should. It's one of those shows, you know, it's the problem with the, the cartoons, the, the animated shows, is that they are always stuck in the you know, trying to appease a very wide range of fans age-wise. You know, really, they're, it's billed as a kid's show, but because of what it is and because of who's making it, it ends up being, you know, story that, that adults can get into as well. And It's one of those things where there's a lot of episodes that I really like, and some of the best Star Wars lore that has come out of anywhere, really, since the three original movies, may very well be in the two animated series, The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. You know, and the other thing about the episodes that I don't really love and I kind of feel like are filler episodes, you know, I watch these with my kids and it's always amazing. Every time we watch an episode and I go, I just really didn't like that one. It just seemed a little silly. Those are always my kids' favorite episodes. <laughs> so, right. you know, that that's given me some perspective on and some appreciation Different of those audience. episodes as well. So, yeah, I highly recommend watching it just because the the quality of the story is so much there. And the the Clone Wars in particular really gave us the the Anakin Skywalker that that we all wanted in the prequels. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it personally. Like I said, I didn't watch it originally, but uh, 
I don't know. It kind of it kind of brings me back to that Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe in a way, but yep. still at the same time, it you know it, it is one of those that appeals to all age ranges because, like you said, even not watching it, I know a lot more of the canon is coming from those series now. So it gets really interesting as far as storylines go. No, I did. Uh, like you said, I watched. I didn't watch every episode of this show. I'm not as big a fan of it as you are or Marisha or you've got kids that love it, but I totally geeked out on this trailer and I really don't know why I had, I had chill bumps watching this trailer. I don't know why I got so excited for this to come back, but, uh, but, but I am. Yeah. I don't know who's responsible for cutting together Filoni's trailers going back to the last several seasons of star Wars rebels and now this new Clone Wars trailer is just like, man, you just get all the right feels when you watch those trailers. Yeah, I, I am curious about the character in the Mandalorian armor that's uh, there with Ahsoka in the trailer. Yep. She looks female. So. Yeah, I think it's definitely a female character. Um, I'm not sure if it's Bo-Katan, uh, perhaps Ursa Wren, or some other, you know, the, the Ahsoka novel deals with this time period, and I have just not made it to that novel yet so it may very well be that i'm naming names and the answers right there in that book i'm not sure uh one thing that really stuck out to me is i think with disney green lighting a lot more video games now uh, as far as star wars goes after all the cancellations and everything and now that they kind of have it together and they're going back i feel like this is such a good jumping off point for a lot of video games like this specific part of star wars to me felt like it would make for really great open world games and rpgs among other things even maybe battle royale type games yeah no it's uh it's definitely got that vibe to it and uh i'm super excited you know having been a fan of the of the series a fan of everybody that was involved in the series you know it just when disney made the purchase the show just kind of fizzled out and they they killed it and you know, Disney, Disney axed a lot of properties, you know, ongoing Lucasfilm things, video games, books, and the Clone Wars was another victim of that. As Disney was trying to get things lined up for where they wanted to get, take the future of Star Wars. And out of that, we, of course, got Star Wars Rebels, which is a fantastic series itself. But you always knew Dave Filoni wished he could have finished this series. And it's really awesome to see that he's he's getting that shot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like. I, I did enjoy it better than Rebels. So I am, not that I didn't enjoy Rebels, but that's another one that I didn't watch every episode of. I did enjoy Clone Wars more. So, right. It's, it's just different. And, you know, Clone Wars, you were, or Rebels, you're having to get used to characters you don't know. The Clone Wars, we got to pick up the story of characters we've known for a long time. So I think. The Clone Wars was probably the favorite of the two, although the last two seasons of Rebels were just amazing. But it's it's exciting to see where they go with it. I know there was a lot of footage that was already, a lot of animation that was already done. I don't know if they're using that or if they're uh, completely going back and, and revisiting their direction for this last season. But the, the trailer looks incredible. Uh, the animation is beautiful. Yeah, it's I, like I said, I totally got chill bumps when that trailer was happening. I completely geeked out on it, and I'm sitting there going, why am I so excited? I just thought it was cool as hell. Um, now, given that, that the, the big news now is that 
the Clone Wars animated series is coming back. I assume that, you know, they're staying for 12 episodes. I've heard some speculation that they might do additional seasons, but I really, Filoni has always lamented that he didn't get a chance to finish the series. And I really can't see, I, I think he's going to come back and end it the way he wants to end yeah. it. I, I don't see him going any further with it. But the question now is, has this announcement completely overshadowed Filoni's other project in Star Wars Resistance? Oh, I'm much more excited for this than I am Resistance. Well, I think everybody is. I mean, if you look on the internet, I mean, if you look anywhere online right now, I mean, Resistance is a footnote right now. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that was their intention. You know, I, I don't know if it'll have any effect on the success of Resistance or not, but. Well, the, the, the thing is right now, we know more about Clone Wars than we do Resistance. And we actually have a trailer and resistance you just got some some images and we kind of know what time period it's set in and some of the characters involved but we don't really know much about clone wars is something we've already seen several seasons of and we we when we actually have a trailer it's there's more there to get excited about at this point right i think maybe when we see more from resistance that that'll change I, I hope so. Um, the one thing, do we know the release date for Star Wars Resistance? Um, so it's supposed to be October 2018, so sometime in the fall. And and that's what I thought also, which kind of makes it even a little more strange. We hadn't seen a trailer yet. Uh, my phone rang. I had to go kill it. Oh. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta get that B two B two droid to handle your phone I know, calls. No man, this B two B defective. He's got a bad motivator. B two the B. What, is, what kind of junk are you trying to sell me? <laughs> um, so, uh, Robbie, were you saying that the release date for Resistance is this October? Yeah, uh, sometime in the fall. Okay. That's what I, I, I thought it was sometime that, this fall. That does bring, up, does bring up the point, though, with, with Resistance, you know, them trying to make Resistance the next big thing. I mean, it will be interesting to see if maybe uh, Clone Wars is just kind of a wrap-up. But then again, if it's making money, I don't see any reason why Disney wouldn't keep doing it. Right. And I suspect that Disney, I, one of the big reasons I suspect they did this, they've, they've announced it's exclusive to the streaming service. And it's going to get a lot of people to, to try out the streaming service just for that. Yeah, that, that streaming service is honestly, I had my doubts. But when I started looking at, you know, thinking about all the properties, that, that should be a really nice streaming service. Yeah, the, the Fox merger is really going to make them a really strong contender in, in that in that market but you know that was that was really kind of the thing is knowing resistance is coming out like really in just a few months it's like did they kind of did they kind of step on on the toes of of that show with this announcement and maybe not it may be that everybody gets super excited when we see resistance it's just kind of knowing the kind of the disaster that happened with the marketing for solo where it was non-existent because of another Disney property. Did they step on their own toes again, or is this just a completely different animal? I don't think so. Like I said, I, I think once we get more from Resistance, they're going to be fine. I, I still do think it's strange that we haven't seen a trailer yet. That show is supposed to be coming in October. Yeah, that's a little odd. Um, even for an animated show, I don't know how far out in front animated shows normally show uh, show trailers, but I know that we watch Voltron and I know we've already got a trailer out for the next season that's coming out about the same time, I think, as uh, as Resistance is supposed to. So I, I'm not sure what they're, what they're waiting for. Uh, I really expected that to be another trailer that they would drop in San Diego. 
unless they're just not ready. And it may be that they've they've rushed too much, and and may we may get an we may get an announcement that they're delaying the the release of this show. Yeah, that's true too. Uh, uh, it just it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of news about it, other than kind of what your initial news would be for a show like that. It's true, but they're they're usually just Disney period, not just Lucasfilm, not Marvel, just Disney period is usually so good about making their release dates. They don't announce a release date unless they know for a fact they're going to make that date. That's right. very so true. They move stuff up a week or two sometimes. I, I can't see them pushing it back. Well, hopefully it won't. Hopefully we'll be getting a trailer soon and, uh, you know, give us something else to talk about here. Um, right. But yeah, the, the trailer's exciting. Um, the kids, the first time I showed the kids, I, I thought they were just going to like jump through the roof. Um, <laughs> you know, when it kind of got to the the shot where it was coming down through the row of helmets and you're hearing Rex and all the other uh, commanders talking and, you know, they, they just kind of geeked out. It was really fun watching them have that moment of realization right. that it was, you know, it was coming back because that's well, always been we- their favorite. We knew that uh, they were doing something for Clone Wars' 10-year anniversary. When it first came on, I thought I was just watching like a tribute video. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that, like the more I realized, no, there's just a trailer for a new season, the more excited I got. So yep. they, they did it, like you were saying earlier, whoever cuts those trailers knows what the hell they're doing. It was, it, it was very well done. All right. Well, uh, other news, uh, Daniel, you might be able to tell us more about some of this stuff. Some of this is comic book related and uh, really not my thing. Yeah. But there was a, a new series <laughs> announced that kind of caught my attention the other day called uh, Tales from Vader's Castle. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's happening here is IDW and uh, most people know Disney owns Marvel. They own Marvel Comics, all the all the uh, Marvel comics the last few years since Disney bought it, all the Star Wars comics have been printed under the Marvel imprint. Uh, but this is coming out under IDW. What, what's happened here is Disney licensed IDW for an anthology series called Star Wars Adventures, which is kind of aimed at a younger audience. But, but this series, Tales from Vader's Castle, is going to be released this October. Every Wednesday in October, we get a new issue. And like I said, th- this Star Wars Adventures series is aimed at a younger reader, but this is going to be horror-themed. But I would I would think it would be something like you know, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps or something like that, just something kind of creepy, because it is supposed to be for a younger audience. But it, do, it does sound intriguing and exciting. Um, and this anthology series is uh, something said in the, sto- in the Star Wars canon. So, and it's kind of going to center around a... Uh, a rebel crew that crash lands on Mustafar. We don't know a whole lot about it right now, but it definitely sounds like a, an interesting premise. It, and this is a character they've introduced in other Star Wars adventure stories before, uh, that this is going to center around leading this rebel crew. But, you know, get canon's kind of, not everybody's going to read everything that's going to come out. It's not like you're going to have any of these characters, uh, you know, in, interfere with, any of our main stories anywhere in the future, I'm sure. So, but it, it's still though, canon or not, uh, if it's entertaining, then, then, you know, enjoy it. So, well, that kind of takes us into another topic, um, kind of diverge from the, the Comic-Con 
talk for a minute and kind of jump into something else uh, that I've kind of been pondering and uh, seen a few times here online lately uh, from some members of the story group, a couple of Star Wars writers, when asked if a new book or a new comic or something that was coming out was canon. And their reaction has been actually to get a little snippy with the uh, person asking the question and basically say, well, why does that matter? So the question that I, I'm, I've been pondering is, you know, the, and I, I had a little short uh, interaction with, uh, with Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter and, and basically said, well, you know, frankly, I'm just less interested in it if it's not canon. And his reaction was to say, well, if it's a good book or a good story, mm-hmm. I would hope that you would enjoy it for those reasons rather than because it's canon. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with him. I do agree with him to an extent and that I'm looking first and foremost, I want to read, you know, if I'm going to read, I want to read good stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also this question of, you know, I, I also think that there's some validity to saying there's, and because of what you just said, there's way more coming out from pub, the, the DK publishing and penguin and whoever else is producing star Wars uh, books right now. There's far more coming out than, than I could ever read. You know, I, if my full-time job was reading Star Wars books and comic books, I might could keep up. Mm-hmm. So I well, do think there's some validity in saying my time is limited. The reason that I do read is for the interconnectivity of the canon stories, stories that fit and, and are the linchpins that hold the movies and the comics and the books and hold all these stories together, which we get those stories better in books than we do in, in movies. And so for me, I'm just a lot less likely to look at a, at a book or a comic if it's not Canon. And it's not that I have a problem with them producing things that aren't Canon. I I read, you know, I can only think of one book they've done. That's really not Canon. I guess it falls into the legends category was the legends of Luke Skywalker. uh, that came out. Wait a minute. Well, it's canon and it's That's not. That's also debatable. But, well, no, it fits the, basically. The fact the, that those. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the fact that those people were on that ship together telling those stories, that, that, that event is canon. The trick is how much. How much of the story reliable, How reliable those narrators are. Right. So then there, doesn't it fall into the category of legends? Which uh, is what they've relegated those, the. It, What's happening in that book is those are legends inside the universe. Like Luke has says himself in Last Jedi, I became a legend. All these stories have circled around mm-hmm. the universe about him around the galaxy for the last thirty years. Those stories about Luke exist inside the canon. They they are legends inside that galaxy. Right. But so the that the thing we itself is canon. That's true. But the actual events, the actual events may not have happened. They are legends about a a person who does exist in inside that galaxy, though. Right. So, okay. So it's, it's it's a little trickier than. I think that's why it all all really to me is important, and for me, it's if it's a good story, it's a good story. But in that same instance, it all comes down to context, right? Is the context? Hey, this is canon. This happened in this world that's been. Built over the past 40 years is this mm-hmm. canon is this a legend within that canon or is this just something different it's just just a story i'm reading 
that has nothing to do with that, and that's fine. But it, it is kind of context really does matter here when you start getting into all of that because it's really kind of deep. The the thing about canon is in fandom the, the whole idea of canon really revolves around do we as fans we as fans thinking of these characters as real people because you want to know if it's canon or not so that while you're reading it you'll know in your mind this really happened in this person's life right but the person's not real anyway so you can't like the eu we read the expanded universe for years with it in our minds this is what happened to luke han leia lando and chewie and all these characters we saw in these films after Turn of the Jedi ended. Disney bought it and said, guess what? That's not canon anymore. They didn't want to be beholden to all that 30 years worth of history. They wanted to go forward in a different direction, which was fine. But I know I, I know that at least one of us has gone back and reread some of those expanded universe novels since they weren't canon anymore. And does it take away from the enjoyment we had with it? So... I don't need to know that, that that story really happened in this person's life. The only thing, the only, the only way I, the only way I think it has any validity to it is that if you're going to, if you are going to tell me it's canon, then don't, don't go contradict it somewhere else. Right. Don't go. If that, if that was canon, then don't screw up the continuity. If this is what happened in that moment, don't tell me two books later that no, this is what happened in that moment. That's the only time knowing whether it's canon or not makes any kind of that, uh, uh, you know, because and actually the way that thread on Twitter started was Chuck Wendig wrote a an annual star of uh, Darth Vader annual for the comic book series was just released last week. I also talk about it in a little while, too. And the way that book ends actually contradicts an event that took place in one of his aftermath novels. So someone had a question about it. And that's when he sort of went into the spiel about, you know, that at the time they wrote it, and I don't have the tweet right here in front of me, but at the time they wrote it, they they felt like it worked in the context of aftermath and all this stuff. And that's where the debate started. So, like I said, that that point I think is valid, that if you're going to tell me this event is what happened, then you can't contradict it later. The continuity needs to stay consistent. Uh, but that's also why I kind of think you don't really need to label some of this stuff canon. Which, and that's the thing, is like, but they acted like it was a problem that people were asking them whether it was canon, and not talking about Wendig. Wendig was, I don't always agree with Wendig, but uh, the more I read into that, I realized what he, you know, he was really trying to explain the complications with holding yeah, something trying, this big together. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why they did away with all that EU canon when they bought the thing. Right. Well, and, and the EU was never canon anyway. We we it was it nah. was it was our canon as fans, but we yeah, always yeah. we always looked at it that way, knowing full well that Lucas had said, you know, I like the stories. I love you know I like these books, but I'm not going to ever let anything in those stories interfere with me making a movie, and telling my story. Correct. But they did put together a story group while the EU still existed, trying to make it all be consistent. They did. It's just as well they did. And there was some really terrible stuff in the EU. There was some amazing stuff, too. But it was easier but, to throw it all out than to try to pick and choose what was canon and was, what wasn't. But the Timothy Zahn stuff, Kevin J. Anderson, if you saw their names on an EU book, 
it was worth reading. Oh, that yeah. was that was good science fiction, science fantasy literature. Those are the first two names popped to mind. I know there are more, but there were more good ones. But the the Throne books, the the Heir to the Empire trilogy by Timothy Zahn, still holds up as as some of the best Star Wars story written. It's all it on its and own. The, it's still some of the best science fiction written in the last fifty years. And and I mentioned Kevin J. Anderson. I'm a fan of his outside the Star Wars universe. And right. that the the Jedi Academy trilogy is probably my favorite EU story. Yeah, I keep wondering if uh, they'll bring uh, Kevin J. Anderson back to do a new book. I, I wouldn't like for him to. Which, I would certainly read it. But you know the whole the whole question of canon. I'm fine with them writing things outside of canon, but I do want to know. You know, I, I, and I don't want to be treated like. I'm some sort of inferior fan because I dared ask if something was canon. Um, I would be totally fine if they wanted to let people write stories that fit outside of canon, relegate them to legends. And if you've seen any of the old books from legends that are, that are in stores now have been reprinted. They have legends printed in big, bold letters at the top. If they want to go that route, I'm cool with it. I'm just probably not going to pick those up unless of course, you know, an R.A. Salvatore or a Kevin J. Anderson or a Timothy Zahn happens to be writing them, then I might. But the bottom line is, is for me, canon's important. And if I'm going to read something, and, I understand that. and if I'm going to read something that's not canon, you know, there's a good chance that I'm going to go read some of the Tolkien books that I haven't gotten to yet. It's just there. <laughs> it's uh, the connectivity that the canon books provide is why I read them. I'm not going to argue with you. I just don't necessarily put the importance on what I'm reading being canon or not. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I think it's more of a, um, I think it's largely a preference thing. Like I said, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not necessarily looking to put my time into things that aren't part of the bigger story. Right. You know, I've got a, a huge shelf of books that I've been trying to get to for a long time. And, you know, I, I'm more probably more likely to read some of those than, than non-canon Star Wars novels. Robin, do you have any other thoughts on uh, canon versus non-canon um, material? I, I kind of think, I mean, if a, if a book's good, it's good. I Although I get where people are coming from. Disney made such a big deal out about what's canon and what's not canon to the point of halting production on things. So I get where people are coming from. And I mean, I always wondered between you and Daniel both how y'all managed to read so much Star Wars stuff because I've seen the bookshelves, <laughs> at least your bookshelf, and I, I know how much stuff's on it. And that's like as many books as I've ever read. So I could see how that would be a preference unless you saw something you really specifically wanted to go off the beaten path and read. Um, so, I mean, it's great, though. It's great that all that content's still allowed to be made and still allowed to be published. But I think for some people, it is a fair it's a fair question to ask hey is this canon or not and i think aside from just being rude if a author comes back with a rude answer like that they've probably already answered your question if it's canon or not i just i think that twitter thread sort of like most twitter threads do went from being about one topic to being about another it went from (laughs) where does this fit into canon to whether or not you should be concerned about the canon those are two different subjects that's (laughs) what happened to that twitter thread that yeah. happens to most of them, that's actually. What, that's what happened on this uh, the podcast, even. But it's a good conversation <laughs> either way. Uh, um, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I, they are two separate two separate points for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, you know, other stuff, uh, as far as Canon kind of jumping back into some other news out of San Diego, uh, there were a number of books, but there were two big ones in particular that were mentioned. Um, a couple of areas that people have been clamoring for some material for a while. Uh, one is titled Queen's Shadow. Um, that's going to be E.K. Johnston, who wrote the Ahsoka novel, is developing that novel. I think both of these novels are set to come out like late winter, like early, early 2019, like maybe February and March. So that novel is going to cover some backstory and fill us in a little bit on, if I understood correctly, um, how Padme makes the transition from, from being queen to being a senator. Well, also, when you name something Queen Shadow, is this also going to focus on the girl that was always her double? Mm, I don't know. I think that the Queen's Shadow thing is coming from, um, I think the way that she becomes a senator is that she's basically recruited to be a senator by the new queen. So I'm not mm. real sure where all they're going with that. The, the title's interesting. I guess we'll have to mm -hmm. wait until the novel comes out to see if the title really makes sense. Um, it might be the whole, you know, kind of being lost in her own shadow is from being queen to being a senator and serving the queen. So I'm interested mm. in that book, uh, but I'm far more interested in the next one. Uh, Claudia Gray, who really at this point, as far as new canon material, has written, um, as far as what I've read, written the best books. Her Lost Stars book is one of the best Star Wars books I've read. It's just a fantastic book. And it was announced at Comic-Con that she will be doing a new book called Master and Apprentice, which will follow a young Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. Well, that should be interesting. <laughs> that one's interesting <laughs> because it's just we've never gotten a lot of information on Qui-Gon. Yeah. I don't know that I'm very excited about either one of these, to be honest. Really? What if... What well, about a book I'll, about pod racing? No. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Oh, God. <laughs> no, this? uh, it's where Obi-Wan came from, you know, from the planet Stugin, where Obi-Wan, or Qui-Gon Jinn, rescued him from a life of pod racing as part of a pod gang. It's Fast and Furious, but it's Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. No. <laughs> All right, the, that's not getting I'm green not, lit. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's not getting green lit. I'll put a red light in front of that one. I'll, uh, we'll workshop but, it. We'll workshop that offline. <laughs> somebody, somebody, all right, to get back somebody on call Pablo. topic for a second. <laughs> uh, to get back on topic for a second, the Queen Shadow novel, uh, I'm not, Padme never interested me in the prequels. I know all I know about Padme from those three movies. Uh, and then while the master and apprentice sounds like that's something I should be interested in. Cause like you said, we don't know much about Qui-Gon, but a small part of me still resents Qui-Gon's entire existence. <laughs> you know how much I hate the prequels. I can't get excited about that mo about that book. I don't know. I, I find Qui-Gon to be one of the more interesting characters from the prequels, just because we, what little we know about him is we know that he, you know, he wasn't exactly the traditional Jedi. He kind of broke ranks with the council. Um, you know, at some point, Obi-Wan tells him, you know, master, please don't defy the council again. So that's one of those things that's kind of, there's some open story there and I, I'm curious to see where they go with it. 
I, I'm not saying it couldn't be interesting. I'm just not. I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time putting it into words. Why I just don't. I'm not. I'm not real excited about either one of those books. Of the two, that's probably the one I would read if I read either one of them. Yeah, you know, may, maybe, maybe whatever that story is about will make me uh, change my opinion on Qui Gon a little. Make you love the prequels. That's no, I'm not going that far. I'm not going that far. It 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 could be interesting. I may pick that one up. Robbie, you have any thoughts? I mean, I know you really don't haven't read. I don't. I don't know if you've read any Star Wars novels. Um, you know, I, I think the last Star Wars novels I actually read were the Young Jedi series that followed. Um, God, what was it? Oh, I, don't, I barely even remember them now. Like there was some. Like I think they run into like luke and leia and han in one book at some point it's uh I, i'm sure it's as far as you can get away from established universe which i really enjoyed those uh to bring that back around but yeah i, I really haven't read many of many of the others uh, i think i read phantom menace when it came out okay. and then uh so that's really it as far as those go okay yeah those, uh, they uh... sound exciting they may they definitely will go on my list but my list is always getting uh <laughs> ever higher yeah that's kind of me. My my shelf is growing faster than I can read them. Um, I just picked up the new Thrawn Alliances book today. I'm super excited to start that one tonight. Yeah, it, I'm I'm interested to see how that fits in with the other Thrawn novel. And there's also a a, a Thrawn comic book out there that, while we were on the subject of continuity and canon earlier, uh, there's some stuff in there that kind of doesn't quite maybe make sense to continuity so i do sort of want to i want to see how well they make all that mesh up so i am i am excited for that one and just just anakin and thrawn on the same page together has got to be hilarious the the excerpt that uh yeah the starwars.com put online was (laughs) yeah i I got a good chuckle out of that the their meeting starts off with with uh uh thrawn definitely uh testing anakin and pushing his buttons a little bit so okay so here's what we're going to do because daniel you got some comic book stuff for us tonight right i do awesome yep all right so we've got one more thing on our list and i'm going to bring it up real quick we'll talk about it and then you can do your comic book stuff but as part of this next thing i'm going to pose a question but i'll give you all till the end of uh the comic book section to think about the answer okay all right so uh the next thing on the list was Haslab, uh which has been a really interesting project uh, that's been ongoing from Hasbro for, I think, about a year. I think they announced it a little over a year ago. And basically, HasLab is going to be the crowdfunding wing of um, Hasbro. And they are going to use that as a way to develop large-scale toys that would be really expensive, uh, more than what they're going to want to, you know, what more than what's makes financial sense for the company to produce and stick on shelves. You know, they're, they're having a, you know, have to get a minimum, minimum number of orders for it to go into production. And it looks like it takes them about a year to do production. Once they get the, once they have the order completed, because they announced the other day that they're about to start production on the Java sail barge. That was uh, their first project. Uh, did y'all get a chance to look at that thing? Yes. Yeah, I did look at it. It looked um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I 
it 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 looks pretty cool it really looks like it it fits in line with the old toys the original toys from the 70s and 80s like it really looks like it would fit in that collection right it's pretty cool looking yeah they did some uh looks like they did a lot of stuff in fact looking through the pictures on the website i'm not entirely sure they didn't use a lot of uh the schematics from the original models for from mm-hmm. jedi to to design this thing it looks really cool and you know i'm excited to see what they do in the future and so the question i wanted to pose was what star wars toy uh cityscape vehicle what would you like to see HasLab do next from the star wars universe because that was part of the uh, announcement at comic-con the other day was you know this seems to have worked this concept seems to have worked and they're planning on going forward with other designs so we'll leave that open-ended for now we'll come back to that at the end of the show um daniel what have you got for us from the world of comic books all right well we're going to talk about several today because it's been a while since we did any comic reviews and of course we 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 missed last week recording so uh we've got the last two issues of star wars the main series uh and a couple of darth vader issues we're gonna we're gonna review and talk about too uh, the star wars number 50 karen gillen and salvador la roca the creative team on this salvador, salvador la roca does the art karen giller's the writer this comic's got a beautiful princess layer cover by travis cherist and we're we're getting closer to the empire strikes back now in the series the fleet's complete we recently saw in the pages of star wars and darth vader how the uh how mon cala came into the rebellion and of course we all know the the mon calamari supplied uh, most of the ships for the fleet the larger ships the cruisers mm-hmm, and right so the the, sh- the fleet's complete now and where we're at in the story is that uh they're actually showing off the fleet when the when, when the story starts. They're having a big gala there. Karen Giller's Karen Gillen's writing is excellent uh, in this issue. Some of the dialogue feels very Lucas, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I think it serves the story well because at, at that point in time, that's exactly something Luke would say because he said it in the movie. So whenever <laughs> you read Luke's dialogue and it feels like something George Lucas was would write. It, it it fits the story. Salvador La Roca's art's very impressive. A lot of the uh, a lot of the looks look, look like they came right out of the original trilogy, uh, especially with Leia. He, he just really he really nails her expressions. I was I'm very impressed with with the writing and the art in this series. And there's a uh, you know not everything goes to plan unveiling this fleet. There's a there's a bit of a twist in the story that I'm not going to give away. Uh, but I will tell you, you need to read the epilogue, which people who read comic books will, uh, familiar with comic books will know that there's what you call a backup story. Sometimes the main story will end and then the next page will start with a whole new title page. It's the second story is the backup story. The backup story in this issue serves as an epilogue to the, to the main story. It gives you a little background on why the twist you just saw happened. So I really enjoyed that part of it. And uh, there's, a, there's a few good Easter eggs in that issue. We, uh, we get to see Hera just for a second, uh, commanding one of the battle groups. Uh, I, I enjoyed that issue. It, it, the, it, it made me excited for uh, issue number 51, which, uh, again, from Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca. Uh, but I will tell you, unfortunately, I was a little disappointed in that one. 
the way 50 ended, uh, 51 felt like kind of a, kind of a letdown. But we left off that. <clears throat> I'm sorry, we left off that one with Han on his way to save the day. But you know, Darth Vader's hanging around too, so not to give too much away. But I, I, I still say, you know, pick pick both of those up and read them. They're they're parts one and two of the same story, which is going to continue. There'll be I think that's probably a four four part story arc. And also, though, the the week after Star Wars 50 came out, we got Darth Vader number 18. This is probably my favorite single issue of any Star Wars comic I've ever read. Uh, Charles Charles Soule's the the writer on that. Giuseppe uh, Comancelli does the art. Charles Soule is, and I will admit, I've never known whether to pronounce that man's last name <laughs> Soule or Soule, because it ends with an E. Okay. But he is one of my favorite comic book writers right now. Anyway, and Darth Vader 18, like I said, probably one of my favorite single issues I've ever read of a Star Wars comic. It's set before A New Hope, focused on Vader and Tarkin, and you get a lot of insight into both of these characters. And it is it's a it's, it is a very intense story. And I would uh, you know you can you can you should still be able to find that on shelves. Uh, issue 19 of Vader hasn't come out yet. 18 should still be on the shelves at your local comic book shop. So I definitely pick that one up and Darth Vader annual number two, uh, was dropped last week. I was really looking forward to this one because the story description behind it, Vader is just now getting involved in the, uh, first death star is that is the period of time where that story takes place. Okay. And, uh, there's some interesting things in that story. Chuck, Chuck Wendig wrote that story. Uh, Leonard Kirk, uh, Leonard Kirk, Walden Wong and Scott Hanna, uh, Combined on the art chores for that one. And the art in it's good. It's got some good moments in it. The best moments are, again, between Tarkin and Vader in this issue. Yeah, um, you kind of get to see how Vader ends up answering to Tarkin, how and why he became involved with the Death Star anyway. And the one really interesting point is it sort of leaves open the possibility that maybe Darth Vader let the Death Star sabotage happen. I'm not going to go too far into that, but there's a little Easter egg in there that depending on how you interpret it, you're kind of going, eh, that sort of makes sense. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's interesting. I, I was, I was a little disappointed in the issue, but, uh, it, 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 it has some cool moments in it. The, there are a few other books out that, uh, we had the Lando double or nothing is a five issue mini series. That's just in a wrap up. There was a Thrawn mini six issue Thrawn mini series. That just wrapped up the Lando Double or Nothing story it takes place before Solo, and and of course involves L three thirty seven. You get a little more insight into their relationship, which of course, if you've seen the Solo movie, you know how close they were. All of those should still be available to to pick up at your LCS, or of course, you can always download the Marvel Unlimited app. They're they're, they're well worth the read. A lot of what's going on in these books right now. You mentioned kind of filling in co- connectivity to canon and continuity right. earlier. These stories do that, uh, do that very well. That's good. Yeah, the the Tarkin stuff. Have you read the Tarkin novel? Um, I haven't, but I want to now because the more he appears in the comic books, the more I like him. I highly recommend the Tarkin novel. It really gives you a a huge insight into who he is and how he got to it's, where he is in the Empire and why why the why why the Emperor has respect for him why vader has respect for him and there's a little bit of vader tarkin interaction in that book as well and it's a it's not a long book i think i read it in two sittings it's not a real long book 
and but it's it, uh, the, the more the more he shows up in the comics, the more I want to read his uh, uh, his novel appearances because he's like I said, I get more and more interested in that character. It's a very uh, intriguing character. I've en- I've enjoyed his moments in the comics. Uh, Robbie, do you have you read any of the comics at all? Um, I really only the uh, the Poe series. Um, and that was I was living in a town that I had really easy access to a comic bookshop and i loved going in there and grabbing the new one that's when they were right. coming out but i haven't since then and that's really just more of a i don't think about ordering them online and i don't have a shop that's easily accessible to me right now one of the sad things is i'm you know even i'm where i'm at down here i'm 30 or 45 minutes away from a comic book shop in either direction it's 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 sad that they're kind of going away so i urge everybody go support your local comic book shop absolutely um, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's worth a 30 minute trip to support an, a local comic shop uh, rather than ordering online. It's, you know, and, and I'm not going to say until you I never bought a comic book online. OK, but it's, it's so much of a better experience if you get a chance to go in your LCS, especially if you find one with people you like in it. It's, it's, it adds to the experience. And you, you should you know, we need to support all our local businesses with the comic book shops. Especially, like we said, there, you know, it's a shame that some of them are starting to go away. So, definitely support that. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I had a good time. We found one down in Biloxi this summer uh, when we were down there and had a good time, good time checking that one out. Yeah, they're fun. When I, I when I lived in Virginia, there was one right by where I worked, and I, I think I spent my lunch break in there almost every day, just kind of chatting with people about what, <laughs> what was new, what was going on, what I might like, things like that. All right. Well, that used that used to be where the geek culture existed and now all of a sudden being a geek is cool and mainstream so yeah anyway. i still get some weird looks when i mentioned D, but that's a different <laughs> that's a different podcast <laughs> right uh we still gonna play when i come to atlanta oh yeah we'll get something together for sure all right so uh that pretty much takes care of uh current comic books so back to the last question if you could oh, choose gosh. a set piece uh ship cityscape you know, whatever it is, what would you like to see HasLab tackle as their next uh, their next crowdsource project? Robbie, you go first because I All spent right. the whole last segment <laughs> while you were thinking, reviewing comic books. So, all right, so I've got a I got a couple, and I was gonna go through them quicker, but I'll give you a little bit more time to think. So, so one of the first ones that came to mind was uh, Dash Rendar ship Outrider. I was kind of obsessed with that ship when I was a kid, I don't really know why I just, I I've always thought Dash Rendar was one of the coolest characters. Um, so that one, I really detailed version of that along the same lines. I think slave one, I had a, a pretty cool scale size slave one when I, I was a kid. And that one that playing with that, that giant slave one was pretty cool. There was another toy I had, and I have no idea what it was called it's it's definitely not something you probably ever see in any of the movies or anything they made it specifically as a toy i'm pretty sure and it was a imperial guard like cruiser and i don't think it was like supposed to be able to go outside the atmosphere it was like on ter- over terrain okay i really don't remember much about it but it was such a cool little thing um and i, I actually tried to look it up i couldn't find it but really the one i would want any of the escort frigates really I was I was obsessed with the idea of having one of those as a, like a kid because almost every scene you see everybody flying in like there there's always so many scenes with the escort frigates and I don't know why maybe they just were easy to render or they just looked cool with everything else around them because of size 
but I always loved those as a kid. And it, as you're making your scene as a kid, you always wanted to have one in there as part of like um, part of part of your little scene you're making. And of course, they never made really a lot of those as toys. So think like the frigates, pretty much any of those would be cool. Yeah, you're talking about the uh, the rebel frigates, the the nebulon B frigates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically those because you know they use them in so many scenes oh, and did. so as a kid you're trying to you're trying to recreate your scenes and you just have to imagine that's there and i can always remember imagining that was there but never actually having one which brings me uh to another point real quick on that I, there's a book i was trying to think of earlier and it was that book we used to have and they've made a ton of them now but it was an encyclopedia of the ships and it broke down the cross sections mm-hmm. of all the mm-hmm. ships yep and they still they still make those, but I have not found one as good as the one we had when we were younger. It was that yellow yep. cover, and then there was one with the orange cover. Yep. And I yep. love those things. Yeah, those and are great. Bob Busick, Bob Busick has mine. Bob Busick. <laughs> if, if you're <laughs> listening, Bob, Bob, if you're out there, Ties Busick the Third. If you're listening to this, I want my Star Wars encyclopedias <laughs> back. Yeah, you gotta you gotta return those. Those are those are top notch. Those are some of the best things ever owned. I have no idea where mine are at. Maybe I'm maybe not, Bob Music has mine too. I'm not joking about the fact that he's the last person I remember having it, but I am <laughs> joking about the whole you know, whatever. All I right. I don't know what I would want. The, every, the, everything that came to mind right off the bat is a, a toy. I'm sure they've made in some capacity or another. The Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that's true. But this is a chance to have it on a scale that's never been done before. Well, then there's two. Or actually, I'm going to tell you the one I really want so I think it could be done. And then I'm going to give you my big off-the-wall thing that needs to happen. I want a Star Destroyer, the Executor specifically. Yep. Nice. Or what I would really love. And they would have to make it as big as my bedroom to do it the way I'd want it, but it'd be the Death Star. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I want a Death Star big enough that you can open it up and do a cross-section and... It will, will be the proper scale for the Emperor's throne room. So you can have the action figures in there. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So you can have the action figures in there and the scales right and the hangar bay too. So if, so if I put my Millennium Falcon in there, there's still plenty of room in the hangar bay. That's the starter story I want. Like I said, that'd be as big as my bedroom to do that the way I'd want it. At least. You might need to get a <laughs> so, lot. You might need to get a lot next door to put your death star on. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say one that you put in your bedroom and it's so big that it opens up and there's a bed inside. Ooh, then I could sleep in the desk. <laughs> so they actually, no, that uh, would be uh, the, the, the real one that I think they could make. Like I said, I, I that the, 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 uh, starter store would be awesome. No, I especially agree. if they, uh, they the got ones. all the little details in there, right? Just the way they made them. Mo- oh God, I'm geeking out now. Just the way they made the models for the movies. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I had a couple, and uh, one of mine's actually not a ship, and I thought about this, and I got two that aren't ships, and my, the big one that I want, the one that I finally settled on is the one I really would love to see them do, because I don't remember ever seeing toys of these things as a kid and, and loved the ships in Return of the Jedi or the, the Mon Cal Cruisers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I never had a toy and I don't remember there were always star destroyers, but I don't remember ever seeing the Moncal cruisers. And so that's my pick is, is definitely well, the Moncal cruiser, but I would also wouldn't mind seeing them do. I would really like to see them do the set piece of the cantina of Mos Eisley cantina. Oh, that'd be cool. You have a lot going on in that. 
that's a that's a place that I would have killed for as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would be all about either one of those. So I'm I'm but curious again, to see where they go next. It's got to be to the scale that my action figures go in there and make sense. Yep. Right. <laughs> that's really what that's really what I want out of all this, you know. So, so I did find a. Uh, you actually can go online and you can find a Millennium Winnebago scale model. It's pretty cool. <laughs> a Millennium Winnebago. Yeah, yeah. You actually uh, you go out there and uh, you just Google Winnebago and there's tons of them. <clears throat> so the good thing is is that Win- <laughs> Winnebago already made us a scale model and and has lab things right, to doing it's... something unique. Right, we've already got it out there. So you just you just get online and you can find one for a couple hundred bucks. All right, sorry. <laughs> we have to do a space balls podcast just to keep Robbie happy. <laughs> hey, there's absolutely no reason because of what it is that we couldn't do a whole episode of Star Wars spoof. Get into the the fringe. <laughs> do a whole episode on on things we want from Haslab to be honest. Look, we yeah. can, you know, we can uh always have a subject on which is the more powerful uh galactic energy, the force or the farce. <laughs> anyway, I'm all about it. All right. Well, uh, has anybody got anything else they wanted to add? Um, I do have one. Well, not really a correction, but a slight correction. Uh, okay. The series I was talking about earlier, I had looked it up because I was curious. It was the Young Jedi Knight series. It was actually Kevin uh, Kevin J. Anderson yep. and uh, mm-hmm. his wife, uh, Rebecca Moesta. And yeah, yep. I really enjoyed that one. I mean, for I think 10, 11 year old me, that was that was pretty cool. All righty. Those were good. And especially like you mentioned, 10 or 11 years old, that was kind of the target audience for that. They were. Yeah. Oh. Uh, they were pretty good books. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved them as a kid. They really kind of they they hit that they hit that spot as a kid for sure. So I just wanted to make sure I shouted those out properly. Cool. Awesome. Alrighty. All right. Well, I think that's uh, gonna take care of tonight's episode. And uh, Daniel, uh, you gonna sign us out? Sure. Uh, that'll do it for us today. And uh, Robbie, where people can find you on the internet. Uh, they can find me on the sciencefictionary.com and they can find me on Instagram, WR Gore. And Andrew? All right. People can find me on Twitter at darklighter580 or at the sciencefictionary.com. All right. And I am Daniel Peoples at Dan C. Peeps on Twitter. And uh, follow us on Twitter also at sci underscore fictionary. And don't forget to check out the sciencefictionary.com. And remember, until next time, do or do not. There is no try. May the force be with you.